Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have Casey Walker. The singer-songwriter from the rock band Cavo joining us. So it's going to be a blast tonight. I'm really looking forward to interviewing him. He's done a ton of research on this band, and these guys really have a rich history in the music industry. And we're going to go into in a moment a nice introduction to them and really take on a cool journey with the musical history and where they are currently today. So just introduce my show. If anyone new is tuning. I've created this show to support people in the entertainment industry. Some of the bands I've had the honor of interviewing include 10 Years, Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, Lacey Sturm, Dead, Red Sun Rising, Shaman's Harvest, and the list goes on. So please check out the podcast, download them. So many cool interviews I've done. Every interview I do is, is different. It's not going to be a, a typical cookie cutter type of interview. So a little bit about my background. I started this uh, show several years ago, as I mentioned, to support people in the entertainment industry. One of my passions is interviewing people. I have an extensive background in interviewing and psychology. And then my other passion is the entertainment industry. So I really wanted to combine these two and create something interesting and different. Although I did mention I have a background in psychology, I always do throw out there that my show is just an interview, and it's an entertainment show. We are not doing any type of therapy, no type of diagnosis or analysis, so I always just put that out there, too, in the beginning. So if you're tuning in tonight, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com, and uh, I do have a chat room open, so if I get a moment, I'll try to go in there and see if people have any questions. Um, However, I am a one-person show, so I am going to be really focused on the interview with Casey and... um, that being said, let's do a nice introduction for Cavo. All right. So these guys are based out of St. Louis, Missouri, and they formed, um, ironically, it's been, it's been a while. These guys have formed a little less than two decades ago, and the band has released three studio albums. They also had some several EPs early on in their career. They've had some major success with numerous hit singles topping the Billboard and mainstream rock charts, these have included songs such as Champagne, Crash, Let It Go, and Thick as Thieves, to name a few. They've been signed to labels in the past, such as Warner Reprise and 117 Music. And in 2016, they released what I um, determined to be a fantastic album titled Bridges, had their hit single stay on it. And this was released after almost a hiatus of about four years. And I think something we're really going to hone in on tonight with Casey is that, you know, this time around, the band really took a different approach to their music. Um, They still incorporate a lot of elements from their, you know, former years, but they really, I think, wanted to focus on what was authentic and genuine to them. Um, You know, not being backed by a label and, and just doing things the way that they wanted to do and things that were really heartfelt. So in 2017, they signed with Pavement, and they recently released a deluxe edition of Bridges. So everyone, check it out, download it. It's, again, it's phenomenal. It has three bonus tracks on it. So let's bring Casey on. We're going to play their uh, hit single, Wreck Me Tonight, which is one of the bonus tracks off of it, and uh, start the interview. Hey, Casey, how are you? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good, good. 
Thank you so much for joining me. It is a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to interviewing you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely, Casey. So let's do this. I always like to kind of start from the beginning a little bit. And um, where are you calling in from? Are you still, do you still live in St. Louis, Missouri? I do. We live in a, like most of us, uh, Andy, our drummer lives, he's splits time between here and Nashville, but me and Chris and Brian all live like in O'Fallon area, which is like about 30, 40 minutes outside of the actual city of St. Louis. Nice. So I'm nice. Right okay. Now calling in. <laughs> okay, cool. Very cool. So let's do this. Start out and I you know, I've done my, my homework and my research on you guys as I mentioned in the beginning. You guys really you know, you really have a rich history, this band, and it was really cool to just learn some of the things that I was discovering as I was, you know, spending a lot of time um, you know, reading about your past. So let's start from the beginning. You know, just if you can tell us a little bit about yourself growing up as a kid, you know, when you were really young and if there's anything interesting you can pull in, like if you were interested in any type of sports or we know you're interested in music and I know that your mom played a huge role and we're going to get into that, but pull in some other stuff that people might not know about you. Okay. Um, so as a kid growing up in St. Charles um, in Missouri here, I've actually, uh, I grew up with, um, with a, I have a, a stuttering problem. And so as a kid, it kind of always made me kind of shy and like when I was really young, I really wouldn't, talk much in class and you know maybe just to a couple close friends and my mom would probably tell you I got in trouble all the time for talking but it was only to like close friends I I, the reason I bring it up is because I think it's kind of funny that I was petrified I still am petrified of speaking in front of people like I petrified okay like like, cannot stand it but people are saying how do you do that then get up and sing I'm like it's just a whole different element it's a whole different side of my you know, personality, I guess, of to get up and sing and you know per- perform songs. But I didn't really know until I tried for the first time when I was g- growing up and, you know, playing sports. And um, I-, I eventually get, got to be really good friends with um, this this guy from St. Louis. His name was Scott. He uh, he was the lead singer of, uh, back then at the time, it was Trailer, then it was a Mesh, Mesh STL, and then Modern Day Zero. They went through some record right, deals. But right, right. He... he he really is the one back when he was doing the cover gigs as trailer, he would pull me mm-hmm. up on stage and like, he would like, there was times like, I know he was going to call me up for a song and I would go to the bathroom and like go into one of the small sides, <laughs> put my feet up on the thing. Right. I swear. And he finally Aww. got smart to it. He would say he would, he would like wait on the song. And as soon as I'd come out, I'd be like, Oh, well, well what happened? I guess I missed the song. No big deal. I don't need to sing. And he'd be like, no, we saved it for you. So now everybody case is going to get up and sing. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Right. So he kind of forced me. And once he started okay. to, I started to, to to realize I loved it. I loved singing on stage. I just didn't want to talk on stage because I, I had a hard time. But I loved right. it. I loved so, singing on stage. And that's an interesting thing. Let's just digress a little bit because I think that's interesting because, like you said, and I think something I wanted to hone in on with this interview and just keep this in the front of your head because I have so much information and notes in front of me that I want to go over is you guys oh, right. really, there's been these, There's been these people throughout your career. I think it's been really cool to see that have been these supports for you. And that's what I was going to get into at some point was kind of Scott and Chris from Modern Day Zero were one of those first people, you know, to get you going. And I didn't know about the stuttering stuff. And I'm happy to hear you've been able to compensate and cope with it by using singing. It sounds like as something almost therapeutic for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I started to use 
singing as a child, you know, I started singing around my mom. And like I said, you know, like you've heard, like my mom used to listen to classic country music and I really mm-hmm. fell in love with the storyline of a song. And, uh, you know, I started to sing more and she started seeing that open up in me and it actually helped with my speech, you know, just, just talking in social settings. Cause I like, uh, I started to open up more. I started doing more right. things, putting myself out there more, you know, and it's like, it just, and, and you learn just to realize like everyone's got something that they're dealing with, like, you know, so I just, I just decided I, it's not going to hold, hold me back anymore. Like if people, wow. if they notice it, if if they don't, or if they, it's, you know, that's, it's not, it's not, I guess the best way to put it is it's not under my control to choose how anyone is going to look or act around me if they hear it or see it, you know? So I just had to go out there, put myself out oh. there and do the things that I enjoyed. Yeah, and I guess let's fast forward for a second, but then I want to come back a little bit and hear about, you know, any interesting sports you were in and stuff like that. But I think something interesting, too, is that, I mean, getting up on front of stage and not just singing in front of, you know, a few people, uh, Casey, but, you know, we're talking about thousands, if not maybe even hundreds of thousands with, you know, the bands (laughs) that you guys have worked with and toured with. It's just, you know, how do you, I guess, I'm going to say, I don't even know the right word. I guess, how do you even like make sense of that, so to speak. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're saying you have trouble just doing some regular speaking in front of a handful of people as a kid in school. And then now you're on tour and you're playing with, you know, I mean, you are one of the biggest bands, but you're also playing with the biggest bands. And yeah. How do you manage any stress that comes along with that? I think it's just, I, you kind of fall into it. I've gotten so much uh, mentoring and so many great bands that we've played with. Like for instance, one of the guys, Brent Smith from Shinedown, you know, mm-hmm. That's probably in our our generation and our music nowadays. He's one of the best storytellers. Like he 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 captivates you when he gets on stage and he's explaining a song, like telling his story, or you know, it's like he is captivating. And I I I found it better for me as a person. I would go and I would ask him. I just one day on two artists was, hey, I have a really hard time speaking on stage. I have no, once the song starts, I'm good, but like I, it's getting from song to song. There's so much silence in our set. And this is when we first started, you know, and that was one mm-hmm. of the critiques that we, that we, we would get like our, our label reps would come out and be like, great show. He's like, you know, maybe a little bit more interaction with the crowd, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, so I went to right. Brent one day on two, on two. And I asked him, I said, look, I'm, he, him and Shim from the six puppies, he used to sing for him. <laughs> I mean, they just, they both pretty much kind of just said, look, you know, rehearse it go into a mirror before you go out on stage and say what you're going to say and he's like you're going to feel really really ridiculous he's like but you'll notice it'll help he's like that's what we do i like brent was like i i I formulate what i want to say i don't just shoot off the cuff because that's where you do stumble over your words that's where you get lost in a story he's Mm -hmm. like i know where my story starts and where my story ends and that kind of stuff changed my world you know i'm not saying i'm anywhere close in the realm of talking on stage and like those guys but it really opened me up and I was able to, and I was able to formulate like things about certain songs because there were songs out there that we were playing that were so special to me that I wanted people to know what it was about. You know, I wanted people right. to, you know, to, to know what mindset I was in, but I couldn't say it. And then people like that helped me to get to a point where, where I could. That's great. And it's great that you were proactive and you were able to, you know, some people might be embarrassed, like I should do this on my own, but you weren't, you know, you were like, Hey, I admire him. I admire what he's doing. I want to maybe, you know, pull some stuff from what he does and see if he has any guidance, so to speak. And that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. But I also have to say that's 
full testament to the graciousness of bands like that. Like sometimes there are bands out there you you feel are are kind of unapproachable. You can't really do that Mm -hmm. with. Brent was never like that. Everyone from Shinedown, from day one till the last day of tour, even now when they come through St. Louis, we'll still go say hi and like we'll hang out. And they're just genuinely good people who are willing to reach their hand down to help out a band that's coming up. And I think that's a lot of what's kind of missing in, in yeah. music now, now mm-hmm. nowadays. Definitely, definitely. And that's something I can sense with you guys too. And that's something separate. I'm not going to get into that on the air. But there's a lot of things that I've seen you guys doing just – you know, with, with me kind of promoting the show and things like that, that I was just really, you know, admiring that, you know, you're liking it or you're, you know, that's cool to me when people do stuff like that. And like you said, they're supportive well, and it's you. a lot of back and forth. Yeah. So cool. Thank you. All right. So let's um go back a tiny bit. So how old were you about when, you know, your mom's singing some country or you're listening to country with her and you're getting into that, you know, how old are you about at that time? Wow. Well, I would have to say I'm in the, six to 10 range, five to 10 range, okay. you know, it's like taking my brothers to baseball practice. And we had a two tone wood panel on the outside station. We're hanging. And so we dropped the kit, you know, my brother's off the practice and we go run some errands and my mom was always playing George Jones, Conway Twitty, uh, Keith Whitley, like the older, older. And I fell in love with it. It was like, so when I was a kid, it was really impressionable on me. Honestly, when I first started, started thinking about being a singer i wanted to be a country singer i wanted to write stories okay. like that i wanted to sing songs that were that simple and then when i heard eddie vetter for the first time i was uh probably a gosh maybe a freshman or a sophomore in high school and mm-hmm. i was at a friend's house and on the radio came uh i think it was even flow and we you know we were, i was just blown away i was like oh my god right. this dude is <laughs> taking this like I love the storytelling and the emotion and the straight up just honesty. And it doesn't have to be country. It can be any sort of great style of music. And he really, he really turned me on to like rock. Like I always loved the Beatles and Zeppelin. Obviously my brothers always show me a son, the who and, but it was till him, I realized, you know, this is something I want to write songs. I want to perform on stage and I want them to be as important to other people as his songs were to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's kind of the Definitely. Way I at it. And while you're talking, real quick, I always like to hear, you know, of course, with what you feel comfortable sharing, you mentioned you have a couple of brothers? Two brothers. One's a year older than me, and one's four years older than me. Okay. There three and of are us. any yeah. of them, so are there any of them in the entertainment industry, or what do they do for work? No, they, my brothers were really, uh, they, they, they were sports all their life. They were pitchers, and they were really good like the one that's a year older than me he you know he he could have went to the, the major leagues i have no doubt in my mind like he's there's wow. a lot of friends that he had yeah there's a lot of friends that he has that he still talks to on occasion that are in the major league like some big name pit pitchers and shortstop but people he played with and played against and but it's kind of neat but they it's weird i like no one really knows where the music side of me came from i think my mom's singing and stuff but like funny story was one year for Christmas I asked for a stereo and there's this picture of me it's famous picture in my family famous not famous anywhere but my family they gave me a guitar I remember I opened it up and the pictures of me looking at my mom holding it going with this look on my face like what like what is this I don't understand right I asked for a stereo and lo and behold 
they must have saw something that I didn't really know yet, and it changed my entire world. It's a, that's that set me on my path. Wow. And what kind of guitar did they get you? Was it acoustic? Was, was it an electric? Yeah. It was just a, a starter acoustic. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just started strumming. And my mom's like, well, why don't we go get you a couple of lessons and see if you like it even? I was like, okay. So I went and the guy was cool. And he started teaching me how to play songs. And I learned how to play like, you know, pretty much every a beginner song that everyone learns. And then I remember mm-hmm. one night I was out with uh, that that guy I mentioned earlier, Scotty, from Modern Day mm-hmm. Zero, zero. He, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you want to jam a little bit or whatever?" I'm like, "Sure." He's like, oh, let's, "Okay, play E to A." And I'm like, "What's that?" He's like, "E to A chords, play it." And I was like, "I don't know how." He's like, "You just did." I was like, "Oh, the guy never told me what I was playing. He just showed me how to play." He's like, "Quick one to him." Scotty wrote out every chord on a piece of paper, and he's like, "Go home and just play these chords over and over and over until your hand just kind of goes to each one without even having to stop." And that's what I did. And so he's really the one, I'm not, honestly, that I was like, oh. So I learned how to play this song. And I had no idea. I was playing G, C, and D. You know, I had no clue those were the right. chords. I just knew what I was playing. And real quick, while you're talking about Scotty, and we know he's got a major impact and he's been a major support of, of you and the band, did you know him from high school? How did you meet him? It's kind of a funny story. My brother, he's in my brother's grade a year older than me. So he was okay. He was sort of that kid that kind of was like, he went to a Catholic high school around here, but lived sort of in the same area as all of us. So like we saw him at parties and he had that kind of, everyone knew he was into music and he was singer and he, you know, he had long hair and, you know, the pretty girlfriends and whatnot. And I was always like, I was always <laughs> kind of like taken back, but I'm like, whoa, that dude's cool, you know? And one night my brother had a party at our house and he showed up with, a guitar and he played like four or five songs sitting on my uh I, what was it my fireplace i think in in my living room and like half the people were still talking trying and i'm just enamored i'm just like staring like oh this is awesome and you know telling like hey stop talking pay attention <laughs> and from that night on honestly i went up to him and was like hey you know I'm, i i love music da, da, da. we started we just kind of hit it off through music he was a kind of a friend of my brother's and we ended mm-hmm. up just hitting it off. And we, I mean, we're like, we were in, inseparable for, you know, years and years and years. We were just, he, he, he just, I, like, it's funny because a lot of people say, like, you always talk about him and, you know, how he really included me in so much of the music scene from this town. Right. It, that's where I, that's where I gained my confidence. It's where I get, I mean, bands like Stir from St. Louis that were, major label like he introduced me to them and they were one night at some bar they were playing one of their hit songs acoustic and he's like hey you want to get up and sing with me and i'm like he just introduced me and got me out there and did so much for me and never expected anything in return he was just doing it because he believed in me and then there came times when his band i know and then we started writing songs together that they would put on on their albums and oddly enough he's the one that introduced me to cavo Right, we're going to get into that. Yes, I know that he was the one that, absolutely. So getting back a little bit, so you're you're kind of annoyed at your mom. You know, she gets you this uh, guitar. You wanted the stereo, but that's okay. You knew that there was some some more depth and symbolism behind why she got that. She saw something in you. (laughs) Um, What do your, yeah, what do your, if you don't mind me asking, what do your parents do for a living? Um, my, my dad worked for Clark oil for years and years, years. Um, he, we lived in Wisconsin while I was very young and we got transferred here through the oil company. He worked for them. Um, eventually, you know, got laid off there and 
that he 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 was a bus driver for a long time. Uh, he passed away okay. six years ago. Uh, my mom oh, was, has always been. A, oh, that's okay. Um, thank you. I appreciate it though. But uh, my mom was always a stay-at-home mom. But they, on the side of everything, they had a craft business where my dad would like he'd go in the garage at night after work and he'd cut wood out and my mom would paint on it and then they'd go to craft shows cool. and they'd sell it and it was pretty i mean for a, for for a couple 10 years there it was a pretty important business they were at the biggest craft shows and they were at the wow they, they made a lot of and money what were doing they, um, it yeah i love art what were they what were they cutting in like painting what types of things were they making a lot of things were like uh, were were things for, for like your yard. Like if you see during Christmas, like there's like you know mm-hmm. painted candy canes in yards that you stick in oh, cool. the pole. It's like got the clear coat finish on it. And we were all involved in it. Like me and my brothers would do the clear coat finish on it so everything could could go outside. And um, it was it, it, it was it's kind of a memory that you know like it was sort of like a family all around family owned and operated, and it was from. From full flat piece of wood till till going in your yard was a hundred percent. It just got to be a little bit too much, you know. After, you know, they started to age a bit more, and like the crafts fair started to turn into more like people just buying tons of it from you know on wholesale from someplace else and going right. and selling it for a, a profit. And my mom's killing herself, you know, painting this stuff. And my dad's killing himself. So they were like, right. we just can't keep up Aww. anymore. We can't compete. Yeah. That's cool, though. That's really cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So let's see. So, you know, like you said, you, you've hooked up with uh, Scott, and he's been this, you know, again, support role model, etc. So, how old were you when you first got into your first band? And then let's start transitioning into how Scott introduces you to Chris Ryan and Chad at the time, who were the, you know, the original members um, in 2000 when Absolutely. you guys got together. So I was uh I was I was kind of hanging out you know I was hanging out with Scotty as much as as we did all the time every day all day and we we're writing and stuff and started helping him you know finish off songs for his band and help you know getting up and singing acoustic here and there with him or in a cover band setting and then I was we were at a club one night down here in St Charles um, called Stevie Ray's it's not there anymore but we were there hanging out and a guy that I kind of knew from just the music scene his name is Nick. He's turned out to be like 25, 30 years now, like one of my best friends. He's fam- family to me, but uh, he was in this band and I always enjoyed the band. I always liked all the guys in the band and they would do these things called the DOD tour. And what what that is, it's a department of defense. And the easiest way to explain it is like the Bob Hope thing where way back in the day when he would go do his comedy on stage for the troops, mm-hmm. so they were sending bands, cover bands over there now. And they would do them in one time he came to me and said, hey, our singer can't go to this trip to uh, the Middle East. Would you wow. want to fill in for him? And I was blown away. I was like, absolutely. So the first time I was ever really in a full band, band like that, I mean, I had these little throw-up things that we would play at parties and stuff, but this is the first time it was ever anything that was like a significant, serious band. We were uh, we went to like Egypt, Jordan, Kuwait. Oh, my God. All these play- I know the first, and that's the wow. first time I was ever on a plane too, which is the craziest thing. I had never been on a plane. I was deathly afraid of flying, and my first flight was from St. Louis. You know, it's like sixteen hours and, on a plane for your first time. And and how old are you when this is happening, Casey? When you're starting to do that? Uh, tw- I'm in my twenties, twenty-one, twenty. Okay, wow. Somewhere and, right around oh my- there. Yeah. 
again, I can't read everything on you guys because I know there's tons and tons of stuff, but with all the stuff I came across, and unfortunately, I just never even saw that. That's that's insane. That's that's amazing that you had the opportunity yeah. to do that. So, yeah. So okay. So go on. So we were. So we we went and we did that, and you know we we stayed the best friends. We actually stayed a cover band. Uh, the singer, he never wanted to rejoin the band. He couldn't go because he was just having his very first kid. So and then he kind of thought, you know, I you know I, he wanted to be a. a a dad not worry about the band anymore. So he, he made that choice. So I ended up staying as the, the singer of this band and we pretty much were a cover band, but we would, you know, write and record a song here and there with, you know, uh, Scotty again at his studio. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so I did that for a long time, all the way up until pretty much Pablo was going to sign a deal. Like I remember going to them. I mean, there was, we were in and out of bands throughout the town. You know, I played with a whole bunch of people. They would play with other people. But we'd always be, one band we played every Tuesday night down at Stevie Ray's and then we do all this stuff. And then I remember having to go to them at one point and be like, look, Cabo is actually starting to take off. I can't do the cover band and Cabo anymore. So I, I actually quit that band. And about a, I would say six months after that is when we signed our deal and okay. started. Everything was a so, fun there. Right, right. So digress a tiny bit. So I didn't even know that you were, but you were kind of managing yourself in two different bands. I mean, you're in Cavo, and you're also in this this cover project that you're doing. So let's digress a little bit. Tell me how you know how Scott introduces you to the guys from, and let's please pull in too how you were originally called Hollow, right? If I have that correct. Right. And you you eventually Absolutely. change it to Cavo. So yeah, pull in a little bit with how Scott introduces you to the guys. And yeah, within you know a year or so of you joining, the, ch- the name gets changed. It's really cool. I mean, it kind of has a cool symbolism to it too. So yeah, tell right. us about that, and then we'll start to progress forward. Absolutely. So we were, um, so I was, you know, I was playing in the co- cover band, and you know, still writing with Scotty for his band and all this stuff. And you know, uh, we were out at Scotty's studio one one night, and I'm sitting there, and there's this band out in the the, the, the live room practicing. And the singer isn't there. And they're practicing. And, you know, this happens like three nights in a row, like Monday, Tuesday, and then Friday the same week or something. And then finally I looked at Scotty and I'm like, who, who are these guys and why don't they have a singer? Why doesn't he show, show up? And they're like, he's kind of, a, you know, he, 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 he shows up when he wants to. They're not really happy about it, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, are they looking for a singer? And Scott's like, I think they are, actually. I'm like, well, Scotty, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a singer. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, okay. So we literally just walked out into the live room, and he's like, hey, everybody, this is Casey. Casey, this is Chris, Ryan, Chad, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. If you guys are looking for a singer, Casey's a singer. And the funniest part about it is, is me and Chris really have – the, like the most kindred spirit friendship in the band, you know, like we, we are like, it's like, you know, I feed off of Chris's songwriting and everything, but he was the one that originally they wanted to be a little bit heavier. And he was like, I don't okay. think Casey has the voice to be a heavy band. So Chris was the one that first threw up the red light about me even joining. And I think it was wow. Chad it was like, he was like, no dude, this guy's great. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to, he's going to be our singer. And eventually, you know, Chris came around to it and everything, but it's just funny because, you know, to, to see the relationship that's grown from it between me and Chris, he was the first one like, no, not really for us. But I mean, it was just basically by chance that I had to be out there writing with Scotty that I, you know, I, I these guys don't have a singer. What's going on? <laughs> and he's like, good call. So we, and again, you know, you know what's I, interesting? And this is where I like to pull in my, my little psychology background. What's interesting is, you know, it's another theme with you kind of, you know, 
even like you said, even though you might have some anxieties about the stuttering and things like that, you put yourself out there like, what's going on with these guys? You know, and that's similar to how things happened. You know, so I think that's a really cool thing that you're very, it seems like just, you know, assertive and proactive, but again, not, not overbearing, so to speak. But right, if you didn't say to him, what the heck is going on? Who knows what would have happened? Right. It's it's one of those things with music that I've all music is always the place where I felt the most confidence. It's the place where I mm-hmm. felt like I belonged the most, where I could walk in. Like, you know, when I worked at any job that I used to have and I could have their Christmas party, you know, walk into the room and you still feel like I don't really belong here. Like these, you know, it's, I'm not, these aren't my people. And, but anytime I walk into a room full of musicians, I felt like, I deserved a ticket to the party. You know, I felt like I, I'm, mm-hmm. I could have, I could have conversations and make friends. And, and so that's why I honestly, the reason, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I, I, I'm not really like that in the rest of my life. I'm not very assertive in a lot of things. I'm a very that's happy funny. guy, but music is the one thing where I know what I want and no one's going to hand it to me. So I got to run out and grab it. Right. And it's your passion. I mean, that's what, you know, right. that's what you were, set out to do and just pull in real quick what are some things you did for work in the past you know before Cabo really starts getting some traction what types of jobs did you have well everything I worked at uh, I was a, a waiter to a restaurant I worked at Kinko's for like four years I think the longest one I ever had the more of like the careerish, if you want to say I, I was a I was an installer for charter cable made really okay. good cash and that's when me and my wife wow. you know at the time, we were just kind of dating. We 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 got our own place and everything. It was like when we started to kind of adult it for a while, you know. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I worked at, as as an installer, and so did Chris. Actually, it was funny. We both quit being installers to leave and focus all of our attention on Cabo. Wow, cool. Thank you for sharing that. So, okay, Absolutely. so as you said, Scott introduces you, and let's let's fast forward because again, you and I could probably do a two hour interview, but I don't want to keep you on forever. Hmm. Um, so. You guys joined in like 2001. You know, by 2002, you're working with Scott, you're working with Rich. You guys put out a, a space to fill, an EP, um, and then you follow up. I guess there's a little bit of a, I guess, break, right, between around 2002, 2006, which is interesting that you release an LP called The Painful Art of Letting Go, and that's when Ryan, at the time, what what happened? He, which is kind of our ironic symbolism, Painful Art of Letting Go, Ryan transitions out of the band. So yeah, bring talk a little bit about that as we start to move to bringing Brian into the band. Well, we wrote um, we wrote and recorded the space to fill, and um, after that was when you know I guess the it wasn't really wasn't necessarily a break. We just what happened was uh, that's when Scotty was in his band, and they they started like getting tours, and they were signed, and they were almost okay. They, and then their man their manager from here in St. Louis, our our manager still to this day, Joe, heard a space to fill, and he he really he loved it. So he he asked Scotty, mm-hmm. "Can I meet these guys? Can I?" So Scotty introduced us, and we went and talked to him, and we sat with him for a while, and it was basically it's like like I said, it wasn't so much of a break as Joe stepping in and being like, "Look, okay. you know, you guys are." You guys have all this, but to really take it to the next level, in my opinion, we need to improve on the, your skill of playing, your you know your skill of live, everything. So we've pretty much practiced like five to six days a week for like three, four years and would play a show wow. here and there. 
Mm-hmm. But and in those practices would come songs. So that's where the painful art of of letting go came from. And we, you know, we kind of gotcha. wrote a bunch of songs. And we told Joe, I think we're at a point now where we kind of want to record a record. And he's like, Okay, let's let's do all that. And we recorded it. And it's, I mean, love Ryan. I, you know, we still kind of chat here and there. Um, but he, our lives just went on on different paths. He was a lot younger than we were. So he was still okay. sort of, you know, it was sort of a pastime for him, I guess is the best way to put it. He really wasn't, when things started to pr- progress with Joe and everything else, it was like he, we pretty much sat him down and told him, kind of had to make a choice. You know, I'm, like it's, we're all, right. you know, career path of being in this band, you know, 100%. And you seem like you're splitting your time between this and maybe two other bands and like, you know, your girlfriend, your work, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, we, we really need a commitment. And he just, I, he just wasn't into it as much. So he decided okay. at that time to leave. Right. So it was we like actually a mutual... didn't have a bass player for years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And real quick, before I forget, Casey, how did you change from hollow to Cavo? Cause I don't want to, I almost forgot that question. I know we, we kind of started talking about it. Oh, I forgot to. I'm so sorry. So we were. Uh, no, it's okay. We were when we when we first joined, we decided on the name Hollow, and the re- and the way I came, I came up with that because one night I was driving down the road in my truck, and you know back when you had to push the tape thing into the tape player connected to the <laughs> to the Walkman so you could play your right. CDs in the car. I'm dating myself here, but um, a That's perfect okay. circle had just put out their first album, and I was mm-hmm. listening to to it, and that song. Uh, I think it's The Hollow on that album. I just loved it. I kept, and I went to Chris, and I'm like, dude, this song is great. And we were all kind of like, well, that's a cool name for a band. Like, let's name. So we just kind of took it. It was just kind of off the cuff. But when Joe came around, Joe was more of the per- per- professional guy. He knew certain things. I mean, uh, for just, for instance, Scotty and his band went through through this when they were Mesh, and then they had to change the name to Mesh STL. Like, last, they had oppressed all their discs. They were about ready to oh go my. out. Gosh. And, the, and the, the the new attorney calls and says, hey, a mesh is copywritten, so you guys need to change it, you know, you, or you're going to get sued. So long story short, uh, Joe, that's one of the first things he checked on us. He's like, he found out Hollow was copywritten by a ton of bands, mostly overseas. So we were, mm-hmm. you know, it's like change your name now while you're still young and no one really knows who you are yet. Right, right. So we... We searched and searched and searched. I mean, it was that's probably the hardest thing to ever do is to, to name a band. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know why I stressed on it so much because it's basically the music that makes the band. You know what I mean? But I was still, I was stressed. And I think it was maybe Chad. It was either Chad or Chris that came up with uh, Cavo. Cavo means hollow places in Latin. So we were mm-hmm. kind of like, well, kind of gives, it gives a homage to, to the past, takes us in a new direction so uh we just decided on cabo and everyone kind of had a vote and everyone kind of agreed and stuck with it cool yeah no it's great yeah. it's a great name it's simple it's easy to remember you know what i mean it's not too many syllables it's not multiple yeah. words so again not that bands that have multiple words you know are difficult to remember but you know it, it's nice it's nice and straightforward cool all right, all right. so as you mentioned, Joe, another huge part. And I, I always, I, I kind of like in a funny way, like to say this Joe is kind of this mysterious guy because I'm reading about him, but I never see like a last name. It's like the manager Joe, you know what I mean? It's just funny yeah. when I was like reading and doing <laughs> So again, another <laughs> huge piece to the puzzle. Um, you know, oh, yeah. you have Scott, he, he Joe coming it. on board. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, so let's fast forward to talk a little bit about you guys. Like you said, you really start to get some traction. You know, Joe seems like he's trying to point you in the right direction, giving you guys some guidelines and stuff to really get you guys, you know, on your feet and get you in the right uh, path to get into be a, a major uh, band. So, as we know, Champagne, right, you guys put out that EP, and um, from there that song gets some major attention from 105.7 The Point. Another huge, again, support in your journey. And tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll, yeah, talk a little bit about that, and then we'll fast forward into how you guys get uh, recognized by our Warner Reprise uh, label. So, yeah. So we uh, so after the painful art of letting go, you know, we, we did you know a, probably a handful more shows than we've ever done. You know, we really didn't um, really didn't like we didn't any tours or anything like that off it. But you know, we'd get on some out of town opening up shows, you know, for bands, and we'd go play. And we started when we came about a couple months, maybe a year. Or so after that, we decided let's start to write again. And the crop of songs that we were starting to write was without a bass player at this point. We were. Okay. The three of us, we were right, and then if we found something that we liked, the guy who ran Scott's studio, Rich, uh, he was a bass player for Modern Day Zero, so he would fill in for recording, and just so we had any shows here and there, he would fill in and play for us. But I've nice. always, I've known Brian for my God since probably since the time around that I met Scotty, and it was one of those things where every time I saw his band, I was just blown away by. It his talent and his passion. And he was just so mm-hmm. good. All of his bands were so good. I remember I asked him probably three times, you know, to join our band. And he kept saying he was too busy. He had just started another band. Oddly enough, he had just started another band with the drummer from my cover band, the guy I was talking about earlier, Nick. And they were driving to practice. And Nick was playing the painful art of letting go while they were driving. Brian goes, man, who's this? It's really good. And Nick's like, hey, it's Casey's, it's Casey's band. Right. Brian's like, dude, wow. he's asked me like three or four times to join this band. And Nick was like, you probably should. And I mean, Brian's like, Nick, I'm the bass player of your band. We're in a band. He's like, yeah, but this is really good. So Brian called me out of the blue. He's like, hey, I was riding right. in Nick's car and I heard it. Brian joins. And it sort of, it was the spark plug at that moment that we needed. Like it was somebody that came in, a lot mm-hmm. of skill a lot of passion. Like he thought he had to come try out, but the truth of the matter is just knowing he was coming to practice meant if he wants it, he's in the band. Cause we all knew how good he right. was. So it was just, you know, and, and like he just, it happened very quickly after that for the, a lot of the songs that were written and in the time that made it on our first album, uh, bright, bright, bright nights. It was mm-hmm. when, when Brian came in, we started writing, you know, we wrote Champagne and we wrote Let It Go all within one week. Um, wow. We wrote songs like Cry Wolf and Blame. And, I mean, we just it was just – he just put this spark into us, and it was just so much fun again playing with a bass player in practice. And, you know, because it's – it gets kind of old sitting there and just playing with the guitars and drums and, you know, trying to vibe off it. After a while, you just kind of right. – we need somebody here. And Brian just really stepped up and really – and helped it evolve our sound some the way it was for the painful art of letting go. You know, it's like that was a, a little bit more acoustic, and Brian had a little bit more raw edge in him. He pushed us to, you know, take the music in that direction. Absolutely. Cool. Well, again, congratulations with, you know, you've had some Billboard hits, like you said, Champagne, Crash, amazing, another amazing song, Let It Go, Thank awesome you. stuff. Um 
you know, I, I just reflect on it. It's, it's cool. It's kind of, you know, in a way nostalgic for me, you know, I'm sitting listening to oh, like serious, you know, Octane or Sirius XM radio. And I remember hearing you guys and I'm like, wow, I'm going to be cool. It's so cool. I'm going to be interviewing him now. And yeah, so it's, <laughs> you've had some great, no, you've had some great material over the years that the new album, as I said, we're going to get into that shortly is just, it's absolutely fantastic. And I admit when I first listened to it, I was Thank like, you. huh, it's different. And, but once I got through it a couple of times, I was like, this is phenomenal. And it was different, but Thank like you, you said, so yeah. And I think, like you said, the fans who know who you guys are, you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, like you said, then that's okay. But yeah, your yeah. true fans are, are definitely going to get what you're doing. And let's, we'll get into that in a minute, but let's digress and go back to, um, so how do you guys get the attention of Warner brothers? And then we'll fast forward quickly to Thick as Thieves and, you know, just share with us some of the, you know, the challenges I think that you experienced over the years with, you know, the amazing I'm sure part was you're with a major label, a couple of major labels, but I think in the flip side, oh, yeah. there was some struggles you guys um, encountered too. So yeah, so pull some of that stuff in. So the catalyst of everything was champagne. The bottom line, I mean, we, we wrote that song. It was one of those ones in the room when we finished it. It was a very quickly written song. I mean, obviously people mm-hmm. are here, like, it's, not a, it's, it's not a particularly hard song. Like people, you can learn the chords in two minutes. It's fine. But when we wrote it, we kind of looked at each other like, this is something, you know, this is something. And mm-hmm. we played it for Joe. And then we wrote Let It Go a couple of days after that. And we played that one for him. And he, he really was like, okay, I think you guys are on to a crop of songs here. Because he was always never wanted to shop us to labels until he felt like we were ready. He never wanted to, to be that band, which I think was a brilliant for us. Because we would have mm-hmm. went the complete opposite route and thrown everything we had at a label. But he was like, I want to have four to five songs that are just you know, they can't deny it. They can't say no. So we right. did what he said. And we wrote, 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 and we wrote those songs and everything changed. And the point heard it and was like, we want to play the song. Like, okay. Then when the point started playing it, somebody in Chicago called the, the PD of the point. He's like, what is the song? They started playing it, you know, North Carolina, Nashville, about six or seven <laughs> places throughout the United States started playing this demo version of Champagne. And wow. that's when the that's when the labels start calling. The labels start saying, "Hey, who is this band that's charting? That doesn't even have a mm-hmm. label. Why? What, wow. The song is amazing. Who is this?" And so that's when Joe kind of pulled everything back and said, "Okay, we're gonna take the song off radio, and now now let's go shop. We 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 have a buzz. So we went we went to L.A. We went to New York and we showcased and we listened to all the pitches and you know there was a couple pretty big you know, labels that wanted to give us a single deal with just that song. And there were some that were like saying, we'll give you a developmental deal. So we sat down with um, Tom Wally at the time. He was the president of Warner, our prees. And he sat down with us and he was like, look, champagne's awesome. It's great. I have no doubt in my mind. It's going to be a, a smash hit. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone's been saying, okay. And then he goes, I want to sign you guys because of let it go. And we were like, we hadn't, we hadn't heard that yet. Somebody who saw past the first step, somebody who actually had a career trajectory for us. And he was like, that's going to be a breakthrough song. He's like, champagne's going to open the door. Maybe another song after that, but let it go. is going to be the one that really solidifies you guys. And we right. love that right. story. We, you know, when he said that to us, he's such an impressive man anyways. And it was just, it was just like, okay. And we all walked out of that room going, we're signing with him, you know, but Joe's like, you know, let's 
let's step back and think about it. He's a businessman. We're not. And he's like, let's step back. Let's have conversations. And we're all just kind of ahead going, there's no need. We're signing with him. That's just the way it's going right. to be. <laughs> so we ended up, that's who we did sign with. The funniest part about it is at the time of us shopping, my wife was pregnant with quadruplet. Oh I was gosh. actually, I remember when I signed my record deal, I was in my kitchen with a man signing our deal, making formula for the quadruplets. It's wow. In between oh. pictures of us signing our names on our first contract ever, is me, you know, hiding it all, like getting down and taking a snapshot. But, you know, it's, it, it, it was a, quite a hectic, hectic time in my life. Oh, my gosh. Well, congratulations to you and your wife. Wow. She's she uh, honestly, my wife is the rock star of the whole group. I mean, because she Absolutely. allowed me to go on tour and stuff with brand new quadruplets. Oh. You know, it's like so. Without the support of that, I wouldn't have. I mean, it would have been dead in the water right. before anything even even happened. And how old are if you don't mind me asking? How old are your children now? My my quadruplets now are nine, and we have a thirteen year old boy. And oh my wow! Okay. Three, three boys and one girl. We wanted one more in it before. Okay. <laughs> oh well, congratulations. That's 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 awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate but, and, that. And congratulations for the kids and your wife, and also for signing with uh, Warner. So exactly, exactly. You guys have some major success with them, like you said. You really get out there touring. Um, eventually, what what happens that you transition from Warner to um, Eleven Seven when you do Thick as Thieves? Yeah. We we basically. You know, we were on Warner Brothers, and we went out and toured. Champagne did what everyone thought it was going to. You know, it shot straight ton, ton number one. We mm-hmm. released Crash Next. It, it was a top five, you know, um, and then they wanted to go with Let It Go. And the problem was, we, you know, we found this out months or years even after the fact, was that this was right around the time that Warner Brothers was starting to implode and they were going to do a house cleaning and they were going to get all new radio reps, all new heads of departments, and all these people who were huge fans of us and liked us as people and everything, they were going to be gone. But we didn't know this, so they started to push, had it go, and then it just kind of stopped. They pushed it for a very short, small period of time. And then it was just kind of done, and we didn't understand. We're like, this is the song that you guys all believed in, said it was going to be, you know, radio stations have already told us, we will play this song, just give us a couple of months, maybe a month until we can open up a spot on the playlist. And right. they, I guess, they were trying to show maybe, to, you know, to push another young band and show a huge uh, success to keep their jobs. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Right. But sure. it didn't work. They stopped. They stopped pr- pr- promoting that song. And then they, you know, threw another song out and another song out. And we didn't understand why the pressure wasn't coming like it was for the first couple of songs. Later to Mm -hmm. find out, a funny story is we we were on tour and we were, we had taken out this band called American Bang, which is a bunch of friends of ours now from from Nashville. They were a rock band and they had, you know, a couple of hits from, but now they're a country band called the Cadillac 3. But Jaron is the singer. We were on tour. He comes knocking on my hotel room one day, and he's like, hey, dude, do you guys know if you're getting dropped or not? And I was like, what did you just say to me? Like, what, what, what do you mean? He's like, you haven't heard? I'm like, heard what? Because they were on Warner. He's like, okay. they fired everybody. 
this morning and I was like, wait, what? So I called Joe and he's like, I just found out, man. He's like, they fired everybody. He's like, Tom Wally's gone. Everyone underneath him's gone. Uh-huh. So, I mean, long story short, on that end of it, we were basically, after we were done touring and going to write a new album, we were, Warner wanted to keep us. They wanted to say, hey, we want to hear all your demos and then we'll make a choice on whether or not, you know, we want to keep you as a band or drop you. And we basically went to him and just said, hat in hand, said, look, we don't really want to have that sort of pressure on mm-hmm. us that we think we're, we're, we're writing songs to keep our jobs. You know, he <laughs> said, we want, will you just let us walk now free and clear? And they said, yeah, mm-hmm. they were fine with that. They, they said, absolutely. Nice. nice. So well, we that's went, good. Cause sometimes yeah. you hear those horror stories, you know, so that's, that's really nice that they let you kind of just, like you said, you just split mutually and it didn't, there was no backlash and okay. So go on. So they, it was amazing that they did that because you are right. I've heard so many horror stories, even, you know, Joe being our businessman, he, he told us the same thing. He's like, this is very rare that bands get to, you know, just kind of walk. So but it was kind of one of those things where it's like we worked so long for our first deal and then to turn around and this to happen after our first album, when we knew we were getting two more albums off this deal, we were just kind of like in a place of, despair I guess you would say like we, we were sure. writing songs again but you know it was hard to find the emotion you know we were just it was not the greatest time in our lives so we start writing and writing and writing we did a lot of co-writes on Pick of Thieves you know at that time we had been we had been on the road for five six years almost straight missing our families and you know you're riding down a highway in a torpedo a bus with the same five guys or six, mm-hmm. seven guys with your crew and everything on the bus. Eventually, you know, tempers flare, emotions flare. You know, you just start to get a little bit stir crazy. And we really, first time we ever experienced that. So we kind of, you know, we were always the band that would come home off with three-month tour, and we'd be home on a Friday. By Saturday night, we were all at one of the person's house, you know, at a barbecue. Right. That, right. Wasn't, ha- that wasn't happening anymore. We were... Right. not talking for three, four, five days. And then, so we all got back together and we kind of just said, Hey, you know, we need to, to nip this in the bud. This is not who we are as people. And it's going to affect the way we, we, we present ourselves as a band if we don't fix this now. So we sat around and talked and ended up writing and writing and writing co-writes and put together a group of songs. And that's when it came to me to name the album, Pick a Thieves. Like we, you know, I feel like that's what this band is. Like, no matter what happens, we're mm-hmm. brothers. We are always going to be a fam family first. And if that means that we can't be a band, I'd rather be a family than a band. Because they just, I've always looked at life like that. Like, these people are important to me. These, these people are, if I was down and out, if I needed something, I would call them. And I wouldn't want right. a band to, to mess that up. I wouldn't want to turn around and not have anybody anymore. So... We named the album that. Went out for our first tour on it was with like Blackstone Cherry, you know, and then we went out for Carnival of Madness. Well, right before we went out with Carnival of Madness, Chad, our drummer, he decided yeah. that it just wasn't uh, wasn't for him anymore. Completely the same thing, you know. We we love him. Comes to our right. show still, you know. We we hang out. He just decided at that point in his life he wanted to follow other passions. So we split ways. But the problem was, is he did it like a couple of days before we were supposed to leave to go on Carnival Madness. I know, I saw that. Ay, ay, ay. Right. Yeah, so uh, we were just kind of like, 
we're calling Joe, and we're like, dude, we just got to cancel the tour. We can't do it. We can't do it. Like, Casey, you can't cancel this tour. We need to find somebody. And I'm <laughs> racking right. my brain, racking my brain, racking my brain. And I'm thinking we were going to think about maybe asking RJ from Hailstorm, who was playing on the same tour, hey, would you uh-huh. mind doing double duty? We'll, we'll pay you handsomely for it. And I, my mind just all of a sudden went, boom, Andy Heron. I've, I'd seen him in bands through, all through St. Louis, and he's – I've always thought he is an amazing drummer. So I was always just in awe of watching him play drums. So okay. out of the blue, I just called him. I just said, you know, I called him up. And the, it's funny because he always tells, tells, tells the story. He was sitting in his boxer surfing the web, and he saw the phone <laughs> ring, and he thought it was a different Casey that he knew from down in Nashville. And he answered the phone. I'll never forget. He answered one. He's like, he's like, what's up, dude? Like we talked yesterday, and I hadn't talked to him in probably two, three years. <laughs> and I was like, hey, wow. what's going on? And then halfway through, you could tell he goes, oh, this is Casey Walker. And I was like, oh, you thought I was somebody else? I'm like, hey, I got a question for you. Are you playing? Are you touring? And he's like, no. I said, do you want a tour? Do you want to go out on tour with us as Cabo? Do you want to? We're going out. We're leaving in three days to go on Carnival <laughs> Madness. Would you want to do it? Oh I mean, the gosh. dude's like, he's such a great dude and so easy going. Just, he was like, sure. When do you need me down there? And I said, well, we want to practice a couple of nights before you leave. So can you come in the morning and we'll practice tomorrow night? Sure. No problem at all. Andy listened to the records, both of them, on the way down to practice, came into practice and absolutely knew every song. Nailed it. Oh, my it was, gosh. Oh my That's God, crazy. Out of this world, we were like, <laughs> uh we figured this was going to be a train wreck for the two nights. And then maybe the third night we get it decent enough to go back out on tour. But no, he, he stepped right in. And I mean, it kind of once, once again, like the Brian thing kind of changed us. It kind of gave us that whole new push and a whole new excitement. And like, wow, he, you know, and he played drums a lot different than Chad, you know, they they have different styles. Chad always played, you know, he was a very, a boombastic drummer and he was, you know, he was very hit, he hit really hard on his drums and he was very, you know, I, I, I dare say the word flashy because I don't mean that rude at all. I, some of my favorite right. drummers in the world are flat, flat. He, he was into that, which was awesome. It helped give us our identity. But Andy, Andy was just one of those guys that you couldn't take your eyes off of just because he was that good. And the, the drum beats he would come up with, you know, for when we started to write after we toured, you know, after we started to write, we started seeing him going, what about this drum beat on that song? And we were just like, whoa, we would have never have thought that. We would have never have gone down that road. But Andy really brought that back right. of us. That's great. Well, again, another piece to the puzzle, so to speak, with, you know, people depart and then things seem to just happen for a reason, so to speak. And I think that's, been part of your journey too is the right people Absolutely. and you've been fortunate come in at the right times when you guys Absolutely. you know need that whether it's that extra push or like you said the new member that has a different spin or a different you know brings the passion back um that's right. really cool really cool all right so carnival madness eventually that ends andy's on board right now and then what happens and let's then we'll if you want we'll take a little break we'll we'll check out wreck me we'll come back we'll talk more about the album but yeah just take us into a little bit with you know it sounds like you guys are pretty you know burnt out so to speak and i'm not referring to that in the substance abuse way i'm just saying just mentally everything you've been through you know you're just kind of right so where are you at after the carnival madness we definitely were after carnival madness you know, we got offered tours here and there, but like I said, we were, we had been on the road for so long, and I had young kids at home, and Chris had a daughter at home, and you know, and, and Brian had work. Like he he owns a, a 
a company here. So, like, when we went on tour, he didn't quit. He still had to work on the road because he was an owner. Like, it wasn't something he could just and say bye is, to. So what does Brian, Brian do? Is a, What's uh, his company? He, he's kind of at the at, – he hates when I use this word. He's a <laughs> headhunter. Like, he finds he finds okay. en- engineers and things, things like that. Wow. And play, he places them throughout the country. I mean, it, they're massively successful. 804 tech, Technologies is what they're called. But yeah, like I cool. said, he's an owner, so it's not like something where me and Chris could say, see ya to a job and put everything into. Like, we'd wake up right. in the morning after going out the, the, the night after a show, and Brian's up at 6 a.m. on the computer. He's working until about 12, 1 o'clock in, in the afternoon, and we're like, let's go get lunch. Let's go do this. And he's like, I got to work. It's like, it was just odd to us. But that's just Brian. He's, he's, a, he's right. a focused guy. But we did right, Carnival right. Madness. Came, we came home. And we were at the point again where it was like, it wasn't, a lot of the times when people hear about this side of the story, they think like, oh my God, they're about to break up again. Like, well, that's not what it was. We weren't, we didn't ever break up in any of these breaks. We were just kind of like, and this was the most important break, I think, of our career. Because we decided mm-hmm. once Chad left and Andy was there so fast, three, three, three days, and then back on tour and then back home. And we were just like, let's let's sit back a, a little bit and let's uh, digress and think about what we want to be as a band. And mm-hmm. talking, Andy said, "Hey, Andy, are you in this to write and be in the band, or did you just do this for the tour and you're gone?" He decided he wanted to stay, so we made him a full one fourth full fledged signed contract, a member of the band. Nice. Said, we're not gonna, yeah, we're not gonna write songs and stuff like that with anybody. We're not gonna give you less of anything just because you know you're new if you're going to be in this and be our brother then you're going to be, be i'll be in it and we started mm-hmm. to write and like i said earlier andy started changing the sound and that's when we knew this record wasn't going to be written in even like six six months or even a year we kind of knew it's going to take us a while to find our our you know for lack of better terms our legs with andy like we we were unsure where the music was actually going to to take us and we right. started writing and writing and writing and writing. And we're looking back and it's starting to be a year, then it's two years, then it's three years. And we're like looking back through all the songs and saying, we have 50 some odd songs and like 30 or 40 more pieces of songs. Like maybe it's time to stop and sift through what we already have to see if we feel like we have a new record. Thank mm-hmm. God we did. We still we'd still be writing to this day. We just loved it for some reason. We just wrote and wrote and wrote. And it was just Aww. so much fun. But we sat back and we found the best twelve songs. And once again, Joe steps in and does the business side of things. Starts trying to find us producers. And we spoke with some pretty impressive guys. You know, like some guys that really blew us out of the water. But sure. then it was kind of a contact that Brian had that we knew him from the road. We were friends and stuff with uh, Blue October. We played with them a bunch. It was the one that's probably one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, just Justin's lyrics and his stage presence and everything is just, I, I'm just, in, it's awesome. But he stepped up, Matt from Blue October, their bass player, stepped up and called Joe and said, Hey, heard the new Cabo stuff. I want to do this album. Brian's been playing me wow. stuff. Brian's been telling me about this. So we sat down and we talked to him. We kind of all already had our mind made up with a different guy. And when we talked to Matt, it was one of those things where it's like, he gets it. He gets us. He mm-hmm. gets where we're at. I feel like Blue October is one of those bands that kind of reinvents themselves and changes their sound almost record by record, you know. And 
that's what we were doing, and we knew that. So we were like, this guy gets it. He gets us. He gets where we're at. He gets the music. It's all about music. It's not about, well, this one's going to be a hit. It was never about that with Matt. You know, we were always okay. like, yeah, after you do this three or four times in a studio with producers and stuff, you start talking halfway through recording process of which, what the single is going to be. Matt would always stop right. us and say, we don't know what the sing- single is going to be. That's not our job. Our job is to make an amazing album. And it was that type That's of focus. Cool. And on top of that, us going into this saying, we don't want to make this record like we made all the last ones where it was four months of recording and, you know, 80 guitar tracks and all these things right. on every song. We wanted to go in and we wanted to make it sound like a band that went in and played their instruments. And actually, you know, we did it in three weeks down in Austin at his place. <clears throat> and I can't say enough great things about Matt. We still talk to this day because he's just, I mean, he's, he's there for advice. He's there for, you know, a good hangout when he comes in town. And like, he's always, you know, when we recorded these new songs to put on the album for the new release, he, he was, we, we didn't go back down to Austin. We did it here, but he was right there involved too. He was talking us through it and saying like, Hey, I really love these songs. I remember one of the ideas that I had for it back then that we didn't get to work on is this, this, and I mean, he was, he's a very integral part of the sound and the whole evolution of this new album. Yeah. No, I mean, you guys, and I think you, like you said, I mean, it's not, and I'm saying this in a good way, it's not an overly produced album. You know, I think it has more of an organic quality. Like you said, it's really honing in on the songwriting and your powerful lyrics and the melodies. And yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it still sounds, you know, top notch, but like you said, it, it has a little bit of a different spin and different vibe in a really good way. Absolutely. That's, that was so important to us for this album. We wanted to make sure that we was we never had really the chance to record a record like like that. We never had the ability. Not that we didn't have the ability. We never really we didn't really feel like we had the ability to to do it. No one ever pushed us or told us that we could. And Matt did. Matt said, "You guys are great. Well, I've seen you play live." And blah 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 blah. You don't need all this stuff. Let's do this. Let's do this right. Let's just get the best parts. Put them on 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 recording and you know and see see where it goes and that's what we did yeah no it's great well with that being said let's uh try and uh yeah tell us a little bit about that one i know that stay originally the song you released and it's a track off of 2016 when bridges came out and the new edition the luck edition so to speak with the bonus tracks i know that wreck me is the one you guys are pushing right now and Again, there's, yeah. I mean, when we come back, I'll tell you some of my personal favorites. I, again, I think there's so many oh, awesome. tracks that could be hit singles. Um, really, there's oh, so many great tracks. Okay. But Thank you. Wreck Me's a, yeah, Wreck Me's a great one to lead off with. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why you chose that and maybe a little bit of meaning behind that song. When we were, so when we wrote it and released it the first time, we just did it all on our own, which is kind of why we re-released it again with pavement is because we did it on our own. We didn't want to go to labels at that point after it was done, the labels did start calling again and they were like, Hey, this record's great. We want to do this. And we were just like, you know what? We've been through it. We kind of want to put it out there ourselves and see, see what happens. We learned real quick that, you know, it's not right. as easy as, you know, people make it sound like, you know, like, Oh, well, Ed Sheeran, he did it. He's one of 10,000. You know what I mean? It's like, it's hard getting right. a name out there. We thought we may have had enough of a history to kind of do it, but not a lot of people heard it in 2016, like not a lot of people at all. So okay. we released 
that and we really stay as the first song because wholeheartedly, not everyone in the band agreed, but I think we had a majority vote was that this record is, is, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's like polar polarizing, you know, it's like people are going to love it or hate it. It's not the old Cabo. It's not, you know, but it still has that thing that's Cabo in it. And it's either going to like, and we wanted, I, I remember me, I fought for it pretty hard. It was, you know, I fought for this, that I wanted stay as the first song when other people wanted uh, just like oh, we want it. I was like, yeah, that's stay great too. The song that comes out. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. People are going to come out and hear stay and go, who is this? And people are going to say it's Cabo. And I'm like, champagne Cabo. And it was, I, right. I thought it was going to get the point across a lot more pulverizing, you know, just like being like, whoa, like who, this is a whole new soundscape. And I mean, it did for, it, it, it did for a little bit. There was a, some, some, some stations that normally wouldn't play Cabo that, you know, I remember one, I can't remember what station actually was somewhere in the East <clears throat> that wanted to play the song and was speaking with Joe about it over and over and over again. Didn't even know it was Cabo until about a week before he played it. Finally said, who is this band? And he said, Cabo. And the guy was like, what? I, no, not Cabo Cabo. It was like, isn't this some new kids that you're working with, Joe? And Joe's like, no, because Joe knew the guy, so he was sending them just the song, and he would never talk about right. the name of the band. And once he heard that, he was blown away, and he's like, I would have never played anything off any of their old albums. He's like, but I want to play this. But nice. we cool. learned real quick that you, you kind of need some sort of a backing, so we kind of took everything back and started exploring the label option again and pave, pave, pavement really stepped up and they just like I said with Warner Brothers they had a vision and, and they had an idea they weren't just about let's throw something against the wall see if it sticks and move on they had a vision right. they had and that's it was right in line with what we were thinking so it was seemed like a, a no-brainer just to you know to partner up with them and I think another common thing, too, you know, kind of reflecting back on Warner is, and I've noticed this, and I've had a ton case of pavement artists on my interview. I feel at this point that maybe I should have a contract. I'm joking around. But I do. I interview a lot of their art. <laughs> I do. I mean, and I love their artists. I mean, everyone I've had on has been phenomenal. And I like them because they're always, you know, on Instagram. They're liking my stuff. They follow me. I mean, you can just see the support. So there's kind of a parallel that I see between Warner Reprise and Pavement in terms of what you guys were looking for again, too, was, like you said, that right. backbone, that support, those people who are going to be there for you, not just kind of, right, just throw you to the side and try to, like you said, throw it against the wall and see if it, it sticks or not. Um, so, right, yeah, exactly. yeah, great. <clears throat> great. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the meaning of Wreck Me. So we – decided to do a couple more songs pavement. I was like, okay, well they wanted us to actually write a whole new album. And that's when we kind of said, Hey, no one's really heard this album. This kind of is a new album on a national scale. Like as far as like mm-hmm. our friends here in St. Louis and a couple of people who are diehard Cabo fans. Other than that, it is a new album. So they were kind of like, they kind of sat back for a minute and were like, you know, you're right. You're actually right. And, it, and it's really good. So what if we do this? What if we record a couple of new songs like we would love for you guys to go record a, a version of Champagne again to kind of reintroduce mm-hmm. yourselves. You know, we'll put that out before the first single off the record and before it comes out. So we went in and we, we had been working on for a while. We played it a couple times here, this new version of Champagne. 
that we had. And, you know, it's, it's completely different from the original. And we decided that's the one that we gave it to them and they loved it. And they were like, Oh my God, this completely fits this album now. Like it fits this. What are the other two songs? And we're like, well, we were went down to Austin to record it. And the two songs that we didn't end up getting time to work on or finish was hush and wreck, mm-hmm. wreck me. So they asked, to hear them and we said well let us record them first so we re-recorded them sent them off to them and unanimously over the board everyone's like wreck me is it they loved that song they loved it and everybody was like this is you know the first song off the re- off the album and, and it's funny it's because it's one of those songs that just like came out like we were at practice one night three four years earlier and it just got it just it pretty much kind of just wrote itself you know it's like most of my wow. songs are always about some sort of a personal experience and it was mm-hmm. just, it, uh, it's just that, to me, this song is about, like, you know, I've, I've been married now for a long time. It's like, it's that push and pull between, you know, doing what's right and doing what you want, because they don't always line up. You know what I mean? It's like, some, right. some, sometimes you're the angel, sometimes you're the devil. And it's, it, that song kind of is that push and pull for me, and like, when the chorus hits, you know, it's like almost that quite right before when it says, what are you waiting for? What are you running from? It's like, the, it's like, it's time to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Choose where you want to yeah. go. Choose who you want to be in life and then go. And that's what this song really re- represents to me. Cool. Very well put. So let's do this. Let's uh, Thank you. put you on hold. We'll come back, okay. um, talk a little bit more about any upcoming shows. I want to ask some questions about, the album cover, I always like to get into that a little bit. I'm very, like I said, you talked about your mom with the art in the beginning, so we're kind of kind of, kind of come full circle a little bit, ask some questions about the album cover artwork, and then we'll, we'll get ready Perfect. to let you go. All right? Hold on, Casey. All right, everyone. Casey Walker from Cavo. We're going to check out their song, Wreck Me. If for some reason you tuned in late tonight, we will have a podcast available. You can download it. And stream it. Check it out. It's been a phenomenal interview with him. And please go pick up a copy of Bridges, the deluxe edition. It is out now. As he mentioned, it has three bonus tracks on it. And let's check out Wreck Me, and we'll be back in a moment. You're an angel.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Cabo with their hit single, Wreck Me. It is out now. Check out a copy of their album, Bridges, the deluxe edition, and uh, download a copy of it today. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's fantastic, and you're not going to be disappointed. So let's bring Casey back on. All right, Casey, you're back on. Hello. Great, great, great track. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Really good stuff. If you hear the, the... the girl voice in the in, in the background is kind of a funny point. That's my wife. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Does she, does she, she sing, or sang, like, she just wanted yeah. to? Cool. She's a great, great. Uh, I think she's actually the one who does the girl parts on um, Champagne too. The the new version of Champagne. Yes. Okay. Definitely the acoustic. Like, well, it's kind of yeah, yeah the breakdown kind of version of it. That's great. Well, awesome. Tell her yeah. she did wonderful. Very cool. <laughs> I will. All right. Let's do this because, again, I don't want to keep you on forever, but the interview is just flowing so well. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been a great interview. So did thank really you. quick, did Matt also mix the album? Actually, so Matt asked us when the record was done, like, hey, can I, mm-hmm. can I give – because he, he, well, he had hired, like, a, like, he has a really good crew there that does all the sound engineering and stuff, but he had a guy that, like, I guess he was just out of college – and he wanted a shot at it. And we said, absolutely. You know, he, he tried wow. to make some tracks and all of us kind of agree. Like, look, you know, this is kind of our, you know, the best album that we think that we've ever written to, to date. So we, we decided that, you know, we wanted to get somebody else, somebody else that always been in the family of Cabo. You know, we, we recorded our first two albums at a house of loud in Jersey. And mm-hmm. um, we worked with Cato Kwan Kwandala a lot there and he had just started like he 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 mixed a whole bunch of new stuff he's he's he really are, are responsible for a lot of the you know success from like a band like pretty reckless and things like that and we asked right. him hey you know will you mix this album for us and once again i mean we're so blessed to have people that because we worked on a budget a small one we did a crowdfunding thing for this whole album mm-hmm. and you know he's like well what do you got? And we told him the price that we had, which, you know, I don't remember exact dollar amount, but it was nowhere close to what his price was. Nowhere. Right. Close. And he's, <laughs> right. he just basically said, I love, I love you guys. I love this album. Absolutely. I'll do it. And we were just blown oh. away. Like he just, and, and he took it to the next level. Like when Cato mixed these songs and he'd sent them back to us, it was just, he, even Matt was like, Cato captured everything that we tried to do in the studio in the way that we mm-hmm. did it in the studio. It's like, it's amazing. It's like he, he even heard some of the smaller parts and made them, you know, a little bit more pr- predominant in a mix. And he was just, he can't say enough things about him either. Like he, it was just an amazing that he would even do it for us, you know, in the first place. And he, he killed it. Yeah, no, he did a phenomenal job. And I've heard of his name before. I've seen some of the work that he's done and stuff. And, yeah, it's, it's some great, yeah. great, great talent. Um, really cool. Okay, so Bridges, which, as we know, I think symbolically definitely represents, I think, you know, it's multifaceted. I think on the one hand, as you guys have mentioned, it wasn't going back to, you know, trying to recreate that, you know, what's the single going to be? We have to make it sound a certain way. And I think the other part right. was you guys moving right. forward, you know, crossing over that bridge and saying, okay, we're going to take a different path this time and do something that feels more authentic and, and genuine for us. Um, so do I have that right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred okay. percent. Okay. So with the cover, You've I think done it's your interesting. Research, Carrie. 
Oh, well, that's a little bit, well, that's a little more in depth. I, I analyze everything. That's part of my, well, that's no, my own it. stuff. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> with the cover, again, it was very just simple, you know, I mean, so tell us a little bit about, you know, how come you chose using just kind of monochromatic black and white colors? And I think the bridge is interesting because it's kind of floating a little bit, so to speak. It doesn't look like it's really attached and almost parts of it are disintegrating. So pull a little bit in. Absolutely. I'm just curious to hear about how, why you guys chose that design and, and what that symbolism meant. I've always found the story kind of interesting myself because we, we always – like we sat down when it came time for artwork and that's when like it gets to be like, I always get way too in my head and I think about like, well, this is the first thing people are going to see. It's going to represent the band and blah, blah, blah. I get way too in my head about it. But mm-hmm. I was, I was just, you know, we went with uh, Joe got us a couple of guys that showed us some, you know, examples of things that they would think, you know, and it was very, it was very like literal. Like it was, I know the bridge is the bridge and the album's called that, but it was like, it, it didn't make you feel anything. You know what I mean? It was just like the guy wanted to take pictures of us standing on a bridge and it was like, I get right. it. But at the same time, <laughs> and we had all these ideas and like everybody kept, you know, trying to fine tune one or two of them. And I was like, I remember at, at, at the time I went into to my manager, Joe's office. And I went in and I sat with him. I said, look, dude, I'm just not, I'm not digging these, man. I'm like, I'm not, they're all great work. And these people are talented. Mm-hmm. But I just don't, and he's like, well, at this point, Casey, he's like, we don't really have anywhere to go. He's like, so, I mean, unless you're going to find something, then if you're going to do it yourself, then we have no other option. So I said, okay. okay. I went home, opened up my computer, started searching. It's just as simple as going on Google and searching and searching and searching for two, three hours. Found that bridge, and it just spoke to me right away. I was like, wow. Oh, really? This is cool. So is that yeah. like – I don't want to say clip art, but is it like like art that you basically purchased? It's a guy that. So that's the funny part of the story. The guy, right. he's a tr- uh, model train set, a builder from somewhere in the Northeast, huh. I think. But and he had this, and this is off of like a book that he had on how to do. Um, it was like the last page, and just had this picture of it, of that bridge, and and he was something like that, and, and but he. My manager's like, you know, this book is like 10, 15 years old. I don't think we're going to get be able to get in touch with the guy. I said, well, there is a email on his website. Let's just try it. Let's just email him. And so we <laughs> emailed him, and within a day, the guy emailed us back and said, absolutely, I'd be thrilled for you to use it as the cover art. Only thing I ask is that Aww. you send me a copy. I said, that's all he wanted right. was the copy of the album. Wow. So, you know, and, and to be credited, obviously. So he's credited in the album, and and even as far down what's as, his, like, the um, new... What's his name, Casey? Actually, at this point, I, it's been so many years, I forgot. Oh, wow. I, I, okay. Like, to, that's uh, right. I, I'm I'd sorry, have to I grab my this. copy, though. This was from 2016, no, 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 right? Yeah. Well, this was 2015, right. okay. early, when we were getting it all, okay. you know, put... To, even as far as, like, just even the the, the way our, our name is written on the album or, you know, like, the new logo kind of thing. It's like, you know kind of came up with that ourselves I kind of just I, I presented them to Joe and the band and everybody was just like wow I really like this I'm like it's simple it's simplistic mm-hmm. and it makes you feel something though and it's like we always tried to pick to picture it as imagine you're playing on a stage in an arena and you have a big huge backdrop you know what what what's going to stand out 
And we thought either just right. even just a bridge like that or like the name Cabo as it's written now on the album. It's like, because a little backstory for like Sick of Steve's, what we tried to do was try to get people, we didn't, well, we didn't try. We actually got everyone to send in pictures mm-hmm. of through, through all the years of touring and that made the album cover and that made our, our, our backdrop. The problem was we couldn't right. find a color scheme that made it so it's, you could see it well and know exactly what you were seeing. You know, you, so we would look up at our backdrop on tour and be like, it just looks like a lot of cool colors. You can't really see the pictures of faces and fans because it was the fans on the album. That's, you know, right. we wanted to make sure that they, that they were a part of it. So we thought on bridges, if we have a backdrop and it just says that it's just a white backdrop with a black Cabo or in the bridge or just a bridge or whatever it is, like that's going to stand, that that's going to stand out. It's going to be, it's, it's going to just punch out yeah. at you. It's going to sear into your brain. And I thought that was the most important thing. Yeah. And real quick. So again, you found this guy, like you said, who had this, this trains and the stuff he was doing. And what was it about that bridge? Cause like I said, it's kind of, you know, it's a beautiful bridge, but there's also these parts that just look like it's kind of disintegrating a little bit. And there's just this kind of disconnection a little bit from, you know, it's not really attached. It's just kind of nicely sitting there. Right. I know it's funny because I think you've nailed it right on the head. That's what it was with me too. It's like, it was just, it looks like it's old. It looks like it's from an old style, maybe from like the Irish countryside or some, something mm-hmm. that it still looks like you could still walk across it. But like you said, it's falling apart in spots. You know, it's like, it just seems like almost like a, you know, like when you can see like a, uh, like your, 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 your dad or something, after, you know, you're five at one point and you're 25 at the other point. Right. Seeing pictures right. of the, the weathered face and, like, the life he's lived and the things he that you've been through and the things that he's had to endure without you even knowing, mm-hmm. like, being a child. You know, your parents don't share all the tribulations that they go through. And, like, you, you're kind of clueless. You're kind of like, life was great. I didn't have any problems, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then you start to get older and you start to have kids yourself and you realize, wow, like, these are the things yeah. that, like, that my dad went through. It's like, that's kind of what the bridge was like. It was like, it looked like it was still there. It was still usable, but it was, it, it, it's, it's lived, it's, it's lived a long life. You know, I think for us, for our career, wise, yeah. it's, it's, it's been a long time, you know, we're not a new band and we're not, but it's still there. The passion, the love, everything. It's, it's still there. We just grew up. And that's one of the things that kind of, you know, changed the soundscape of the album too. And people, I've said, you know, this doesn't sound like the old Cabo. It's like, well, we're not kids anymore. We're, we grew right. up and we, right. you know, we have different life experiences and we have different ways of, of looking at things. I've always kind of, it's always kind of bothered me when people say like, for instance, probably my one favorite band of all time is Pearl Jam. Obviously Eddie changed my life, but I had people, so many of my friends are always like, well, they were great for two albums, but then they weren't great anymore. You know, and it's like, if they would have just put out the same album six albums in a row, right. that would have been your. Well, they sound the same, and but if they would have changed, then you don't like because they changed. Like you got to allow an artist to grow and talk about what's relevant to them now. You know, we were kids when when we wrote most of the songs that you hear when 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 you first heard us. Now we're you know young adults that have t- different thoughts and and different problems and different lives. Yeah. And I think I think that's part of the, you know, like you said, a, a true band maybe, so to speak. I'm not saying that in a negative way, but there is an evolution. And you don't want to kind Absolutely. of stay stuck, so to speak. And 
Right. And right. I think that you guys have absolutely, you know, captured that with this album and, and from where you were. And the stuff back in the day was great. And this stuff is great, too. And it's just it's, right. it's a different time for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing the album stuff. I, I really, I always just, like I said, I enjoy looking at that stuff and just analyzing it and yeah. Um, so what do you guys have coming up? Any upcoming shows you're going to be doing or any tours in the works or, or the things you can't Actually, talk about yet? Well, I, we don't really have anything in set in stone yet. That's the thing is like, we, we just released the album a couple of Friday, Fridays ago and, you know, I'm doing a lot of right. press for it and doing a lot of interviews and we're doing some radio stuff here and we're really going to start looking where like the plan was to do all this, focus on that. Cause you know, we all have lives as well. And then once that starts to, you know, to kind of give some buzz to the album, if you would mm-hmm. say, you know, um, then start to look for options of like shows and touring and stuff. And, you know, we definitely want to get back out there on the road and play this album for the fans because, the fans helped make this album. We did a crowdfunding right. thing, as I said earlier. Like they, we, without the fans, this record wouldn't exist. And I don't think, you know, we wouldn't, we'd still be making music for ourselves in our rooms. You know, it's like, it's always been about the fans for us. And I know the, the toughest thing about saying that is because it's cliche and everyone always says it. And I do believe a lot of bands, they mean it. And I just, we just, I've never, I've looked at like without, I've always said, if there were no fans, there would be no band. You could be, you could write the greatest song mm-hmm. in the world. If nobody likes it, and you're playing it to a room with three people in it. That's all it is, is a three-person song. You know, it's like to write songs and have people come and tell you, like, this song helped me change my life. This song helped me get through this hardest part of my life. It's like that's the most important thing. Looking back and seeing how Eddie Vedder, when I heard his voice for the first time, changed my life. That was my goal to start to make music that people attach themselves to as strongly as I did that. Right. Well, I think you guys have absolutely accomplished that, and I think your fans Thank you definitely so much. appreciate you, and the support is, you know, has been tremendous for you guys. So, yeah, that's Thank great. Thank you. That's great. So, okay, so, yeah, why don't we start wrapping things up? And I know you guys have a ton of other music in your backlog, so you are always welcome back on the show, and I'd love to – Keep in touch and hear Anytime. back from you in the future. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, and please, I'd greatly appreciate it if you could share the podcast because um, I think your fans would really just enjoy this interview and oh, definitely. all the different things Absolutely. we learned about you guys. So I'll, I'll forward that to you, too. That would be great. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, why don't you share where people can find you on social media, Casey, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. Cavo Music is really everything. It's uh, Facebook.com backslash Cavo Music. Twitter is Cavo Music. Instagram is Cavo Music. Our website is Cavo Music.com. Um, you can get any links to anything there at our main website. You can buy the album there. You can get to any one of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, and then you can find all the other guys on there too. Like, you know, Brian has his own personal mm-hmm. one. Andy's got his own personal one. That's pretty entertaining. And I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, I'd, so if you're unsure, go to cobblemusic.com and you can find every link there. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I wish you guys so much success with the new album bridges. And again, thank you for coming on and doing this really in-depth interview. It was, it was great. Thank you for having me. It was really enjoyable. It felt more conversationalist than, 
You know, like, what is your favorite color? Why is that your favorite color? <laughs> well, thank you. I, like I said, I put a ton of time and effort into these interviews to make each one unique and different. And thank you so much. That that absolutely made my night. And that's, you know, that's one of the most common compliments I receive. So when I receive that, I know that I did my job. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much, Casey. And we'll be in touch. Much success to you guys okay. in the band. Okay. okay Take we'll care. Talk soon. Okay. Bye, Bye-bye. All right, everyone, again, Casey Walker from Cavo. As I said, if for some reason you tuned in a little late, the podcast will be available for you to stream and download momentarily after I uh, close out the interview. And, uh, yeah, check out these guys. Great album they have out right now, Bridges. It is the deluxe edition, three bonus tracks on it, and download it today. Wreck Me is the current single that they are currently pushing off of it. Again, thank you for tuning in and supporting the show. Um, if you would like to, uh, follow me at Carrie Edelman on Twitter as well as on Instagram. I'll follow you back. You can also follow me at The Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. That's where I keep as well as on all the other websites and um, sorry, social media pages. It's been a long night. I uh, keep updates for upcoming interviews, events, and more. And if you'd like to befriend me on Facebook, you can also send me a friend request. So thank you so much for tuning in. Awesome, amazing interview with Cavo. You guys are going to learn some great stuff that you probably haven't read anywhere else. So thank you so much, and have a great night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.